Welcome back to the Dig City Podcast. I'm Corey Palm with uh, head coach Dave Shondell. Coach, quick turnaround for the show here today after last night's road trip to uh, to Bloomington. We're taping this on Thursday morning, but that's kind of the nature of the schedule right now. We've got to get these in when we can because uh, you guys are on to the next match, on to the next road trip here in a matter of, you know, 36 hours. So just, you know, that's, that's the grind of college athletics. We'll start... Um, Overall thoughts on the week, it included, you know, last Wednesday, a sweep of Illinois, uh, Saturday night uh, on Beeland Court, a, a dominant sweep over Iowa, and then, and then of course, uh, last night's four-set loss to the Hoosiers. Just uh, o- overall thoughts on the week. Well, I appreciate you trying to put a positive twist on the whole situation for our, our supporters and myself, but... No, we, we did play well in both matches against Illinois and Iowa at home, as, as we should, but doesn't always play out that way. And I, I thought that we were making a, a ton of progress. And, um, I mean, just to get right into the match last night that I think really is the the uh, focus is that we played pretty well. Um, you know, we play the first set, and we have 19 kills in one set that doesn't go extra digits, and and we lose. Uh, we lose mostly because we made six service errors. And I think that was just some nerves uh, from some people that uh, um, didn't feel comfortable serving, you know, at, in that match at that time. And uh, and that, that kind of bit us in the tail end um, in the first one. Then we play a terrific second set and have all the momentum going into break. At at the uh, intermission, we had we out, we were out hitting them by about 80, 85%. And, uh, you know, playing well, I thought that defensively we were really good. We were digging balls. Our, our serve receive was really, really good. There were a lot of things that we were doing well. And then came back out after, after the break and um, kind of got off to a slow start. And they, they started uh, – they got on a roll with their server. Uh, Hayworth, I think, uh, served uh, maybe two or three aces during a stretch there that – um, kind of change the momentum back to their side. And, and again, Indiana, as I've told you, is really good this year. Mm-hmm. They're a veteran team. A um, couple of new additions, uh, a libero that is exceptional, who's a freshman and a transfer from Cincinnati, who's a right-side player that I told our team has an arm like Caitlin Newton. I mean, she just got a big, big-time arm. And she was quiet early, and then late in the match, they started feeding her the ball, and, and that made a big difference for them as well but um you know it was a great great environment tremendous crowd purdue was well represented down there the block party was there but we always have a great crowd down there and uh you know we we just kind of let let uh, people down a little bit Uh, we don't do it very often when we play indiana but we did on this occasion Um, the good news is for our fans that that love the rivalry is that um we'll be back playing them again on wednesday that'll be here at purdue and um, so I'm looking forward to that. I think I got the right time. Yeah, you did. Yep, Wednesday, Wednesday, 7 o'clock. Yeah. Uh, that match has been sold out for months, no doubt about it. And, and it'll be, you know, maybe a little extra f- juice from the crowd, uh, hopefully, after after last night's result. You mentioned coming out of the break. I mean, you guys came out maybe a little bit flat out of the break. IU came out. It, it over 300 in the in the final two sets, almost 400. Yeah. In the last, they cut their errors way down. Four errors in the last four attack errors. In the last they only have one in the last set. They did. So 16 kills against one. So that I mean they they were really really good. Yeah. And 
of course, sometimes when people are really, really good, you're not doing enough to make it difficult for them. And the big thing that I came out of that match is I was on a long bus trip home. We got into some construction and everything else mm-hmm. on the way back. It was about a three-hour trip, just when you don't need a three-hour trip. But what came to my mind was that our serving has to get better. And I'm not talking about the serving errors. just we got to put more pressure on the opponent. And that's something we've been talking about all year. So we got to figure out maybe some different methods to um, to, to serve some balls and, and, and put some heat on some people to take them out of what, what they want to do. Even though you look back at Iowa and Illinois, that's how we, we won the match. We put a lot of pressure on them. But yeah. Indiana is a little bit better passing team than what Illinois and, and Iowa showed, at least on, on those matches. And then... Um, the the, you know, the blocking wasn't wasn't bad. I thought Raven Colvin had a tremendous match. She was everywhere in that match, just playing her heart out. It's a it, it's a big match for her. Mm-hmm. You know, she she's grown up right in the middle of the state, and uh, with her dad being at Purdue, um, and so she she just played great. And I thought our pin hitters, you know, uh, Eva and uh, Chloe played played really really well in a match where everybody knows a lot of the balls are going to go to them. I thought Taylor. Trammell had a really, really good match. You know, we we did make a change oh, about a third of the way through the fourth set because things were going kind of going the wrong direction, and, and we're trying to figure out what we can do to to light a fire. And uh, we did give Lauren an opportunity, and she was fine. It just wasn't enough to to make much of a change. So we had some people play well. I really thought Allie Horning passed and defended really well last night. Brownie came in and served and, and served some, some some tough balls, which we need we need that. Mm-hmm. We just for some reason didn't get many points when she was serving back there. It seemed like she was in and out, and um, so that rotation needs to. We need to take a look at that rotation. A couple of our rotations we just did not um, score points in when we were serving uh, at all, uh, and so we've got to figure out why uh, defensively we couldn't turn some you know some some blocks and some digs into some points. Well, that'll be uh, that'll be the focus uh, um, moving ahead. We'll talk about Ohio State in just a second, just to, to put some stats to your take on Rave and season high thirteen kills mm-hmm. to go with six blocks. She was she was very good after having a couple quiet matches. Um, I know, you know, a lot of times there's there's only so many there's too many mouths to feed sometimes in the middle, and and yeah. it's rare that you get two different middle blockers to have great statistic games at the same time so last night was like you could see her even though maybe her her numbers weren't that good whether it was in practice or even in the matches you could see the connection between her and uh, taylor uh getting better and better uh as as the last couple of weeks have gone on and now i think they feel pretty good about uh, each other and, and and how to how to how to score some points and that's going to make a big difference. And, you know, Lourdes wasn't, wasn't quite as effective. She did get some thundering kills, but we, we didn't get the ball probably to her often enough. Um, of course, Indiana's a really tough serving team. Um, yes. I think everybody in the league knows they're the best serving team in the league. Yeah. And, and, again, I thought we held up well against them. Everything, you know, being said, I thought, I thought we held up really well against them. But sometimes you're not putting the ball right on the dime where you need to sometimes get the ball to – a middle that's running behind a lot um, off one foot. Six aces for the Hoosiers in four sets. That's that's a good number, but it's not an astronomical number. You're, you're absolutely right there. So uh, the Boilermakers stand now at four and three. And in the second half of the show, I want to talk a little bit about, uh, about the Big Ten because it's, uh, 
it's starting to shake out. We're about a third of the way through the the Big Ten schedule, so we'll we'll take a look at those standings and some some things that are jumping off the page there. Uh, first, let's let's go and talk about Ohio State. You guys head to Columbus on Sunday afternoon. Uh, the Buckeyes are right there in the middle of the Big Ten standings right now as well, and and have been hanging around the top twenty five all season. What do we know about them right now? Well, they're a new look Ohio State team. Um, you know, I think five or six of the of the players that like our fans or the Big Ten fans were accustomed to seeing wearing the Ohio State jersey are not there anymore. But that doesn't mean that, you know, there aren't good athletes and good players there. I, I just got done watching their match at Penn State that went five. And um, Ohio State competed and played very, very hard in that. Penn State won the match. Um, I think it was last Saturday night, I think, was that, that match was played. Uh, they bring one of the, the best players in the league back, and Emily Londot, who – has been a right side player her first three years and been a staples, never left the floor. Now been there forever. They've moved to the left. Riley Rader is one of the best middle hitters in the league. And uh, you know, she's back as a junior. Uh, they have a, a freshman that was recruited by everybody that's in the other middle position. They've got a really good setter that I think I think she was uh, maybe a redshirt freshman last year. I can't re- remember. Um, but she's she's a nice player, came right out of the club that Jen uh, coach before she came to become the head coach at Ohio State, so she was very familiar with her. Um, but they have some new pieces, much like we do. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I, I told our players when we got off the bus last night, I always have a few words before they depart. And I said, here's the situation. Every match we play in this league is going to be a lot like the one you just played. If, if you think there's going to be matches where it's going to be a routine scenario you're not paying attention I mean, they're all going to be this way I, you know you know we still play ohio state twice yep. we still play minnesota twice we still play wisconsin twice um and, and we got indiana again and yep. we got yep. got to go to illinois and, and there's just I'm, I'm and i'm sure i'm forgetting some people did i say penn state yeah you said penn state okay. twice we got uh, <clears throat> but it's just just a lot of a yeah. lot of really really tough matches now I think our team's going to respond to that. I mean, we, you know, we we got a competitive group, and I think that the the more we get into this season, the more they're going to learn, and the the more seasoned that they become. And, but um, it's they just have to know that's that's what it's going to be like. Those are the matches it's going to be like. This mm-hmm. one, the one against even Northwestern here, or the one against Nebraska here, the one in Maryland out there. Those that's what the Big Ten's going to be like. So the sooner they can understand, that's what you know, the environment will be like and, and the toughness of the matches, then the better off we'll be. Definitely. So uh, we will uh, – we're going to step aside real quick. We're going to talk about the rest of the Big Ten uh, and, and some interesting things there and then uh, uh, a few more fun topics. We're going to have some fun topics. That would be great to hear. When, uh, when we come back. Dig City Podcast is presented by Franciscan Health Sports Medicine, inspiring health. Franciscan is the official medical services provider of Purdue Athletics. Now back to the show. So Dave, looking at the Big Ten standings right now, there are three teams who stand at 6-0. Nebraska, Wisconsin, and Penn State are all undefeated thus far. Uh, Indiana and Purdue are tied at 4-3. Maryland, Michigan State, Ohio State are 3-3. And And then uh, Minnesota's at uh, 3-4. Northwestern and Illinois just behind them. There's, There's six teams within a game of each other in the middle. And, and that sort of speaks to what 
what you were talking about just a, just a minute before the break. Yeah. This is, these are the matches that are really going to determine the season, this, this middle third. Well, I, I think every match is going to have a lot to do with it. You know, you've got three teams undefeated right now. That's, that's a lot at this point in the season. But obviously they haven't played each other right. at this point. They wouldn't all be undefeated. I think the outlier in that group is still Minnesota, who had a really tough weekend last weekend, but they bounced back and won at Michigan last night. Minnesota's got way too much talent to not be uh, a contender uh, to finish in the top three or four in this league, in my opinion, from from what I know about who they have. But they have a brand-new coach and, and a few new new players on the roster. But um, they're, they're going to be a really, really tough out for anybody that, that they play. But, you know, <clears throat> certainly there's three really good teams. You know, Penn State's been winning some close matches mm-hmm. where uh, Wisconsin's been, been winning more handily. Nebraska, you know, came out um, fast and got everybody's attention. And then um, they haven't been, you know, really destroying people. So I think people realize that the, the youth of that team is also going to take some time to, you know, to develop into the kind of team that they think. But I think, I think Wisconsin and Nebraska are probably one, two, with Penn State very close behind. And then I think it's a crapshoot after that. Really, uh, really kind of a toss-up. Toss you throw eight teams in and, and see which ones rise. What do you think? Uh, I know teams like Minnesota still – Hanging around the 500 mark, uh, Ohio State's actually six and nine on the season because they played a murderer's right. row the opening the opening month. What do you think uh, the league should reasonably expect for for postseason? Uh, I I'm just thinking about us, but but when you think about us, you got to put yourself into where you think you're going to finish in yeah. this this mix. And um, you know, I, I'm I'm still encouraged by the progress we're making. We we've had a, a really good two week period here where we've made made great strides in the areas that we, we, we focused on. Um, I mean, I, I don't think you can guarantee more than six teams right now based on RPIs and, you know, and teams that they've beaten and that there wasn't a great non-conference for some teams. So I, mean, I think you got to feel like, and, and that doesn't mean if you're in the, if you finish the top six in the Big Ten, you're going to be one of those six. Right. There's, True. there's other factors that come into play as we found out before. Yeah. Um, but right now, certainly there's three of them that look like they're a lock uh, in, in the tournament. Um, I think uh, our RPI might be the next best after those three. We, we were we were 19 before last night, and I think we may have dropped to 24 or 25 RPI. So we're still in a good position. I think our first num- our number one goal is always to to play well enough to get in the tournament, and then just keep trying to up your ante uh, mm-hmm. uh, with each match but uh, it will be it will be a challenge for everybody all those other teams besides the three that seem to be uh, holding down the fort uh, everyone else is going to be a battle to try to get in about six weeks left in the season I know with such a young team and and, and really such a, a young starting lineup uh, more than just the team just the roster um, you kind of had to expect coming into the year that it was going to continues to develop month by month and the 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 goal is always to to peak in November November December you know and be playing your best volleyball then do you see you said you know the last couple of weeks you've seen the development you've seen some connection that's starting to to show in matches certainly showing in practice is that encouraging to you uh, to see those things 
Yeah, I'm, I, there, there's nothing our players have done to make me feel like they're not 100% on board. Uh, there was enthusiasm even on the bus on the way home last night as I heard conversations and, you know, it wasn't like, okay, we, we lost down at IU, so it's going to be just no noise, silence on the yeah. way back. I mean, yeah. people were quiet for a while, and they, as I told you, it was a long bus trip for some reason last night. And at some point in time, they, they start to get over it a lot quicker than, than coaches do. And I think that's good. I think that's great. And, you know, one of the things that we, we talk a lot about in today's college athletics is you have to separate the athlete and the player. I mean, the athlete and the person. Yeah. I mean, yeah, we want we want to win. We want to compete. Uh, we we want to make sure we fight for every opportunity we can. But really, when it's over, there's a world out there. There's a life out there that you have to live. And, and you, you just can't... Um, think you're great because you win and therefore you're you're a special person on campus because you win and the, but if you lose then all of a sudden you're not worth a grain of salt yeah that's that's not the way it should work and, and i think that today i think that that's being taught to our, our young people that those are they're two separate entities mm -hmm. and i haven't quite grasped the concept yet um of that as well as i think uh, some of the younger people have but i i need to if 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 i'm going to enjoy being a the college coach. I've been on enough buses to, to completely understand and agree that, you know, players tend to let go of things quicker than, than staffs a lot of times. And that's not to say it's not because they don't care. They're the ones out there doing it. They're the ones that it, that it affects the most, yeah. it, but it, maybe that makes it easier for them to, to let it go. I, yeah. I can promise our players care. Yeah, uh, they, absolutely. To a fault maybe. Okay. But they, they certainly care. Yeah. One last thing, Coach, before we let you out of here. Um, it is, uh, we're rapidly approaching the, the five-year anniversary of uh, the the Tyler Trent football game. There, there's, okay. there's a lot of activities around Ohio State coming back to Ross yeah. Aid Stadium this Saturday night to, to play the Boilermakers for the first time since that night. Um, first time in West Lafayette since that night. I know you guys had a, a good a strong connection. I know Tyler spoke with with your program and sat on your bench, and and just um, the sort of with all the talk around Tyler, and, and you guys did your hammering down cancer game a few weeks ago. Right. The legacy that 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 young man left. Uh, what sort of what do you think about when you hear that name? When you when you see some of those stories popping up, uh, he was miraculous. Um, just an absolute gift from God that made such a huge impact on so many people, not just at Purdue, but across the country that witnessed what happened uh, with his, his story. But you're right. We, we, uh, you know, we brought Tyler in to talk to our team uh, early about five years ago, I guess in that season, because we knew that, you know, he was, he had, lived a tremendous life and, and was really struggling, but was wanting to tell his story. And so he sat in front of our group for about an hour and 15 minutes and, and told the whole story. You know, how he found out that he, you know, he, he had the issues and what his life has been like, but he spoke up there without batting an eye and, and talked to our players. It was an unbelievable experience. And then he sat on our bench for a match. He's, he's 1-0 as a guest coach for Purdue volleyball, so we're happy about that. And then uh, a few weeks later, when they're getting ready to play Ohio State, and he, we weren't sure if he was going to be able to make it, but then he did. And uh, somebody from 
uh, I think the president's office came down to the suite that I was in. Fortunately, it was an opportunity that we had to watch a football game because sometimes we don't, but it was yep. a night game where we weren't playing. And they came down and said, hey, Tyler's down in the president's suite and would like to say hi to you. So I, I went down there and uh, got a chance to talk to him that night. And it's, it's you know just one of those things in your life you'll never forget that, uh, you know, we don't win the game without Tyler Trent's story. Just, you know, just, I'm not sure what the word is, just riding through that entire stadium. Okay, everybody knew about it. And then to watch that game unfold the way it did, and then to be down, I was down in the locker room when he came in to talk uh, to the team, and just the, the whole thing was just something you won't forget. Um, but I think that, um, I don't want to get in too much, too deep with it, but I think anybody that, that knew the situation and, and knew him will never forget, and it's something that they'll have in their life to help them uh, deal with whatever adversity that they may have. Certainly, uh, it's it's been really it's been really good to see some of these stories and to see I've seen a picture of you and, and him in the suite that night. Yeah, um, to to have those memories and to like you said to to not forget to to realize the but, good that we can do. Yeah, but for him to continue to fight the good fight. And he knew he was, this, this, this young man knew he was dying. Mm -hmm. And he gave everything away that he could to help fight cancer. He continued to talk to people when he was a day away from dying, two days away from dying, three days away from dying. It's, it's, you talk about courage. Yeah. You know, when we talked about athletes showing courage, well, what an example that, that uh, Tyler Trent set. And, and the good thing is that, that so many people saw it. Mm -hmm. And so, so many people were, were blessed by him and, and what he did and, and to know that, that that's the way you live your life. Absolutely. A great lesson, a, a great example for all of us, and, and hopefully we can carry that forward, the the legacy of Tyler Trent. Uh, Coach, thank you for, for sharing that. Thank you for uh, for the week. Good luck at uh, good luck in Columbus. Well, thanks, Corey. It's, it'll be another big match. You know, you always like to see how you're going to respond when when you get in a tough situation and it doesn't go the way you want it to, and, and uh, Ohio State's another really good team. So, um, I think our players will be prepared. We'll be ready. We, you know, we've got a few days to, to recover. It's a Sunday match, so you've got probably more than normal yeah. uh, to get ready. And, and we'll, uh, we're watching tape right now, and we'll probably introduce a little bit of Ohio State to our team today. And uh, hopefully we'll go over there and have a great match. We'll be watching. All right, boiler up. Boiler up. <laughs>